Hi again, welcome back to the Bible Project podcast. And we've reached Genesis chapter 6, and today we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. And I would remind you that a transcript of all these messages is always contained within any audio version of the website by just looking in the episode notes section wherever you choose to get your podcast from. Now, we considered last time and noted that we were told that this guy Noah was blameless before God and how he stood in stark contrast to the people around him. Noah stood in contrast to the whole generation that he lived with him and the people who were all around him, who were all described as being wicked and violent. So in this episode, we're going to look at these contemporaries and see what it tells us about them. So picking up the text in Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, it tells us this. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Notice it says that the earth was corrupt. The world that Noah lived in was violent, corrupt and selfish. And because of that, they were experiencing degeneration, violence, personal violence, murder and death. Originally, God commissioned Adam to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with people. However, we get to this point in the book of Genesis and these people have not blessed the earth. They filled the earth with violence. These are not just isolated cases of violence, they have filled the earth with violence, it says. Now that probably sounds familiar to our modern ears. Now the word violence as used here in the text is a word that not only indicates physical violence, the particular word used tells us that they are also violating the rights of other people. In short, this is anarchy, individually, collectively, socially. And then God finally steps in and says, I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm going to wipe this out and I'm going to start all over again. But we have here, in stark contrast, one man, a man named Noah, who was an individual that walked with God, walked with the Lord, and was a man of character. He did the right thing because it was right. When all around him had embraced corruption and violence, he stood apart. So these opening verses of this passage are there to show a juxtaposition, a stark contrast between two sets of people, Noah, and by extension his family, and the rest of the world in which he lived. Now the second part of this passage is where things get really interesting. God having said he's going to destroy the earth, God then gives Noah a commission. He commissions him to build a boat, an ark. This is such a fascinating story. It's familiar to so many people still today. In fact, you could say it's almost entered the world's collective psyche. But let's read the source text from which the story of Noah and the Ark begins. Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 to 16. So this is God speaking. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark, and make lower, middle, 
and upper decks. So verse 14 through 16 gives us a brief description of the ark. I'm not going to go into all the detail contained in this chapter, but the basic details are that this boat is built and it has three decks and each one of those decks contains rooms. It also tells us that it has a vaulted area to which light is to be let in through a sort of an opening, a window and a door. Then in verse 16, it says cover it with pitch inside and outside. That's what would make this boat watertight. So just how big is the ark? Well, the passage says it's about 300 cubits long and 50 cubits high and 30 cubits wide. A cubit is the way things were measured in the ancient world, and it went from the elbow to the top of the largest finger. It's a very rough measurement because it's measured by the individual maker. And of course, people's individual measurement varied. But it's roughly considered to be anything between 18 and 24 inches. If we assume the shortest measure and use the 18-inch cubit, then this vessel was around 450 feet long and 75 feet wide. So it's about the length of one and a half modern football pitches and about 75 feet wide. And it's approximately 40 foot high, which is the equivalent if you want to go and look at a four-storey building. And there is a question of the shape of the boat. Most scholars who have grappled with have concluded that it was probably in the shape of a modern flat-bottom boat, more in a sense like a huge barge. I can conclude by saying that it has been demonstrated scientifically that such a barge of such dimensions would have been exceedingly stable if it was raised on floating, rising waters. Someone has figured out a vessel the size of the Ark would have a displacement of around 20,000 tonnes and a gross cargo ca capacity of about 14,000 tonnes. Which means its cargo capacity would have been equivalent to over 500 standard British railway carriages. So imagine a train 500 yards long, that would have been the capacity of the Ark, not its length, the carrying capacity. I did some research. When farmers in the UK transfer livestock by train, each railway car can carry 240 sheep. Thus, if the Ark were carrying just sheep, it would have been capable of approximately carrying 125,000 sheep. Now, I don't want to get too bogged down in this, but what I believe the picture being painted here, this is a vessel which had room for many, many animals as well as Noah. Now, I don't expect you to remember all these figures. I'm just trying to demonstrate that people who are curious about these things and are trying to calculate it have come up with these figures. So although that's very interesting, we need to remember that Genesis is not meant to be a scientific or a nautical manual. It's a book of stories with profound meaning. But understand, use of the word story does not necessarily mean something is not true or did not happen. We're going to look at this story and what it means next time.